Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Can I, all the women that were here last night, just, yeah, good work. And that's like twice in one weekend you've come to church. That's next, next level. Next level. Right, what are we doing here today? So I got a, a message called, uh, What You Sow Will Grow. Turn to the person next to you and say, What You Sow Will Grow. Turn to the person on the other side of you, the one you didn't choose the first time, that you probably don't like much, and say it, what you sow will grow. It's a, it's a great, um, obviously, biblical principle that what we sow, it'll grow. What you sow will grow. Now, I know that you're doing a, a series at the moment called One Another, but I'm changing that to What You Sow Will Grow, and <laughs> it's right there. But uh, the reason for that is because, so it's about one another, it's about relationships, that's the series that as a church you're in at the moment, but I know this, even in marriage, what you sow grows. So why don't we turn to uh, the Galatians, and uh, I'll just read out this scripture for you. In Galatians, last chapter of Galatians, I think, it's Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, says this, uh, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Ooh, welcome to church this morning. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. This, this is good and it's bad at the same time. It is good if you sow good things and it's bad if you sow bad things. God doesn't care in one way what you sow. You can sow some good things and it's going to be good for you. You can sow some bad things. Anyway, I, I, I want to make some friends here today, but I feel like what I'm about to preach on, it's probably not the like, it's not your normal go to a church visiting speaker and preach and try and Win friends, influence. What's that book? Yeah. The, anyway, we'll just we'll just go with it, and and if they don't invite me back, then I'll come up here anyway because I like the place. <laughs> Whoever, so do not be deceived. God does not mock. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Whoever sows to please their flesh will from the flesh reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. It goes on to say, did I include this part? Yeah, all the way to verse 10. So, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This could be a life verse, couldn't it? You could literally base your life and say, right, whenever I've got opportunity to do good, I'm going to do good. At the same time, as people, as humans, we also have opportunity to do bad. And if, if you were to really uh, look inside the human heart, you would realize that you don't have to teach a child to lie. You don't have to che- teach a child to steal. You don't have to teach your kids to hit each other. I heard my kids say, I hate you. Uh, in fact, let me tell you another little story about my daughter, which is just awesome. Last week, we're, or two weeks ago, we were away at... Uh, conference and um, uh, we're out for dinner one night and I get this text message on my phone and it says my kids were staying with my sister-in-law so I get I get a text 
from my daughter, somehow our accounts are linked, which is handy. So I get a text from my daughter saying to Sarah, sorry, Sarah, for stealing your money. Please don't hate me. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I ring my daughter and go, what's happened? Well, nothing. It's all good now, Dad. I said, I know, but I've got a text on my phone saying, sorry, Sarah, for stealing your money. Please don't hate me. So then I'm like, uh, I, I get... I said, Sarah, can I put Sarah on? So, Sarah, can I have a chat? What happened? Well, Sarah said, there was a money jar. In the money jar, there are some, um, there's a lot of coins, but there's also a lot of gold coins. I came inside. All the kids were inside. I came inside. There was the money jar on the bench, still sitting there. I looked at the money jar and noticed that all the gold coins out of the money jar were now gone. There are four kids in the house. So, I said to all four kids, right, everyone stop playing Fortnite. And... <laughs> And, and come up here, back into the real world, come up here, out of the four kids, which of you has stolen this money? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Four kids. Total denial. One of you, okay, look, there's the money jar. The gold coins are missing. I know they were in there. One of you has taken the money out of the money jar. Which one was it? Complete denial. This went on for about five, six minutes. Would not admit None of them would admit who had taken it. And so they're all kind of, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Anyway, and then my, apparently my daughter went off to the room. My son went in there and said, Lani, was it you? And she's like, yeah, it was. I just didn't want to say that it was. And she had her school bag down on the ground under the money jar. The gold coins are in her school bag under the money jar. And then later on, she felt bad, obviously, for taking the money. And Sarah had to take her other daughter to netball training. So... My daughter thought it would be a good thing to text her without having to face her face to face and just text her, sorry, Sarah, for taking your money. Please don't hate me. And anyway, and that's when I, when I got the text. Uh, three days later, we got home from our, from our little break and uh, my daughter, of course, comes home and she walks into the house and then she walks in and, you know, I haven't seen her. I'm like, hi, Lani, how are you? Good, 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 Dad. Uh, is there anything you want to tell me? No. Is there anything that happened, you know, while we're away, maybe with the family? And no, I heard something about a money jar and some money. It's all sorted now, Dad. I've already talked about it. I've already had this conversation. I don't need to have the conversation again. All right. I said, well, I think it's time you come sit over there. I'm going to have a little talk to you. Dad, I've already talked to them about it. I don't need to talk to them about it again. Do not bring this up again. I said, yeah, no, we're going to bring this up again because... I'm your dad, you may have explained it to them, but you're going to explain this to me. I said, I want to hear the story from start to finish of why you took the money, what you were going to do with the money, what, and because at some point you've come up with this little plan, you've executed the little plan, when you got, and you executed it badly because you got caught, and... And so I made her sit there and I made her, I want you to tell me the story in detail. I want to know what you did. I want to know how it felt. I want to know how you felt afterward when you knew you'd stolen money off uh, your, uh, well, your auntie. I want you to think about the fact that they're your auntie and their uncle. And I want you to think about the fact that every night they were providing dinner for you. You're in their home, you're using their power, their, their, their water, and there you are. And to take it even first, you decided to steal money off them as well. How did that make you feel, sweetheart? <laughs> We've already talked about this, Dad. I said, good. 
So anyway, she started telling me the story, and then of course, not long into the story, Bert, I know you're thinking, what a horrible father I am, don't you? Like, she starts crying, and oh, I don't want to, anyway, I said, all right, I want you to say sorry to me. But I've already said sorry to them. I said, I don't care, I want you to say sorry to me, I'm your dad. I said, you represent me, say sorry. Sorry, dad. Big hug, that's all right, it's all good. You did wrong, you've admitted you did wrong, and now... We're going to move on. She went into, uh, into our office and using our computer, and there she is looking up her YouTube clips. I walked into the room, and she was like a different girl. She was back to, so when she first, when I first saw her, she, you could tell she just had this, like this shame about her, this not wanting to, she was not looking me in the eyes. You know, it's like, it's a, as a dad, you, why, why is my daughter not looking at me? What's happened? that she now won't look at me and is walking around with this trying to avoid, I'm her dad, I love her, I want the best for her. And so in that moment we had the conversation, she admitted it, she apologised for it, she goes into the office she, and I go in there and it's like the whole feeling around her, the atmosphere, she's back now to her normal self. She's smiling, she's looking at me, I'm getting cut and I'm like, good, you, you, you're back. Here's the point. No matter how much God loves us, what you sow, you'll reap. And, and God is a loving father, and so uh, he wants good things, just like I want good things for my daughter. But I've got to train her and say, sweetheart, if that's how you go about getting money, it's not going to end well for you. If you become that, and, and not because of, it's not, I don't even think it's the action, it's, it's when you've got kids, for those of you who've got kids or in a relationship, it's when you see the way you know, in, in the church, I guess we call it sin. When you see the way sin affects someone, and it's the same right back in the Garden of Eden, man and woman took off the tree. God said, don't do that. They decided they'd do it. And then not long after, there they are walking around the garden in shame. And they say, oh God, we were naked and we hid from you. So now you're hiding from your father. But we don't want to admit that we've done wrong. Oh, I haven't done wrong, I'm fine. And so we've got this whole pride deal going on. And, the whole, and God's like, and then, we, then the devil convinces us that it's God making us feel that way. People say, oh, I could never step foot in a church. If I step foot in a church, I'm, the walls would fall in. I'd get struck by lightning. I've committed. So we're aware that we've done wrong, and then we're, but we think that God's, and so God is not a judgmental God. God is not a condemning God. God wants good things for us, not bad things. But he knows that when we sow certain things, we are going to reap what we sow. If you sow deception, you know, and I've learned this the hard way in marriage, if I sow certain words, you know that words have the ability and the power to create, and they also have the ability to, to pull down and to destroy. The Bible says out of the same mouth, it's amazing, out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. In James it talks about this tongue, okay, and it says that is like an evil beast. It's like it can, it can steer a whole ship. In marriage, you can say certain words. You, you can say you're a loser. Oh, look, you've stuffed up again. You are, you are literally speaking words that are creating both for good or bad into that relationship. You, and anyway, I, you know, I can tell you already don't like me. So <laughs> what you sow, what you sow, you're going to reap. And so this, in my mind, this means this is incredibly powerful. Because this, this puts me back, I'm not a victim here, I'm in authority. The Bible says that I've 
God called me to have dominion, to reign, to rule in my world. When I've done wrong, it puts me into victim. I, I, suddenly when I've done wrong and I'm aware that I've done wrong, now I'm on the defense. And now I'm, getting, I'm letting condemnation or I'm letting guilt or I'm letting thoughts and I'm letting those things. But when I'm on the, I'm, hang on a minute, this is incredibly powerful. I can make a decision here to put things right, no matter what I've been going through. My marriage might be terrible. I can actually start to speak words about my wife that are going to change our relationship. Suddenly you're back in the driver's seat, so it's, it's a good thing, and maybe that's why God wants to help us. Maybe. Okay, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. This is good. You ready for this one? Is it on the screen? Oh, here we go. Okay. You good? You sure? How, how much longer have I got? I've got like 30 more minutes. Actually, no, an hour and 30 more minutes to go. That's all you've got here. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's only, I've got like five minutes left. All right. Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Okay, I'm just going to stick on that for a while. I know this is a, it's a, it's a point of tension in the church, and you've probably seen a current affair and, you know, manipulative pastors that stole all the church's money and bought a sports car, and, so, and now, now we've got a mindset around talking about money, but the, the reality is that Jesus himself talked more about money than he did heaven, hell, prayer, or anything. Why? Because money is such a big factor for us. M marriages break up because people don't, we always want more. Have you all seen um, Lord of the Rings? Just, if you've seen Lord of the Rings, just put your hand up, if you, just so I know that I'm not, yeah, good. There is this guy in there called Gollum. Gollum, Gollum. Have you, you, you know the, Gollum, Gollum. And he's got this gold ring. And Gollum is convinced that while he's got this ring, he's got power. But the gold ring causes him to become this little weird, weird guy that's just all as he can think about is, is getting this gold ring. If I can get more, if I can put the ring on, if I got the ring, if I can get more of the ring, if I can buy another car, if I can get a bigger house, if I can get more stuff. Oh, the church, the church, they're trying to steal my money. Watch out for the church, that pastor, he's a crook. Oh, watch out, you know, and it's like, we become, oh, they can't talk about money in church. If they talk about money, again, I'm going to lose my... Well, maybe there's a reason why God wants to talk to us about money. The Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And isn't it interesting? It doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure is. It says no. In other words, your treasure leads your heart. Not the heart leading the treasure, the treasure leading the heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. And that's why God's saying, and this is like me with my daughter, I'm not trying to rub her nose in when she's done something wrong. I'm just saying there is a better way of doing things. If you would listen to the principles that are in the Bible, recently we celebrated 19 years married. 19 years. Married when we were 20 years old. And, if, you know, I'll just, a quick, my background was I was basically from about 14 to 20, I was basically addicted to drugs and had no job, left school when I was 14 and a half, became a landscaper and so with no education, turned to drugs because I was trying to escape the pressure and the realities of life that if I, I need to buy a house, I need to get a car, I've got no education. I'm, and so it just, it was the spiral spiraling down to where in the end I realized, man, you're a real loser. I was the loser. And it was like the realization of far out, like if I don't do something to change here, 
I've been sowing stuff into my life repetitively for years and what, I'm, what I've been sowing, I'm now reaping. We were about to break up. Cindy, we were engaged. We were living together. We weren't married. She'd had enough of me. I sat on the couch all day, every day, smoking bongs. And so she was like, I've had a gut full of this. We'd had this, some huge fights because she was like, if this goes on for much longer, I'm out of here. So I was about to lose the best thing that probably ever happened to me. And, and it was only going to cement me in this, in this direction that I'd already taken in life. And so in the middle of all of that one day, I cry out to God and say, God, are you real? And I felt like I was in my lounge room. I think I've shared this story here before. In my lounge room, I was smoking a bong, reading the Bible. It sounds bad, it was. <laughs> and God showed up. And the first thing God said to me is, number one, he said, okay, your ways are wicked. What you're doing is not good. I rung Cindy at work that day and I said, I said, um, Benz, I said, we, um, I'm going to stop taking the drugs. I'm going to change. We're going to go to church this Sunday. And also I feel like God might be telling us to move to New Zealand. Oh, and as well, we shouldn't be living together. We should be married. So we're going to get married as well. She burst into tears going, what, how much have you taken today? So now she's crying. I'm crying. I don't know, but God's real, and I'm changing, and we're going to go to church. We're going to get married. We're going to, life's going to be good again. And she was, you know, she stuck with me. Nine, so 19 years later, that Sunday, we walked into church. I thought it was the weirdest place in the world. Probably what you were thinking this morning, what is this? We're singing songs, we're clapping, what's going on? I was like, what the heck? But I could feel something in the atmosphere of like, this is good. This is good and I want to be a contributor. I want to help with this. I want to make the church great. I, I think you guys in Noosa, you're called by God to make the church great in Noosa, to bring glory to the house of God. And so one of the first things I learned was, number one, be in church every week. So I made a decision. And I can pretty much, over the last 19 years, we have rarely missed a Sunday. This is not, this is, don't feel bad if you've been missing Sundays recently. <laughs> oh, there he goes again, making me feel bad. Don't, just, it was a decision we made that I knew that I needed to be in church because if I wasn't in church, I would go back to my old way of doing things. Very early on, a guy said to me, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. And I said, what's that? He said, well, that's tithing. I said, what's tithing? I didn't, I didn't, I'd never heard of that term. It's a, definitely a Christian term. I'd never heard of it. He goes, well, it's where we give a tenth. I'm like, a tenth? He goes, yeah, like 10%. 10%. Okay, but here's the crazy thing, because I know this is a big issue in the church, and people talk about this. I got so radically saved and fell in love with God that to give God a tenth, can we read the next verse? It says in verse 10, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Do you know that's a promise from God to you? Then your barns will be filled to over... My barns were not overflowing. My, my, you know, my life was a mess. And so when I realized, and I didn't have any of the old religious or traditional thoughts, or I hadn't heard a current affair on what the church does and how much some pastor's house cost... I didn't have any of that in the back of my head, so I, I realized that if I honor the Lord with my wealth, that's pretty easy when you don't have any, 
but we made a decision that we were going to be in church and that we were going to tithe. And those two things were going to be like, they were going to anchor us to the house of God. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And now I get in the conversation, so you're saying I have to tithe. You don't have to do anything. You can do whatever you want to do. What the Bible now says about that, you might oh, that's an Old Testament scripture and now I'm set free by grace and I can do whatever I want when I want and I'll come when I want and I'll show up to church if I want to show up and I'll tithe if I want to, whatever. Here's the point. The Bible says now the law of God is written on your heart. And when you've encountered Jesus Christ, you will have no problem bringing the tithe. And the thing I love about the tithe is it's honor the Lord with the first fruit and I've got 10 apples here. Just want to get real practical. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten, just so you know. Honor the Lord with the first fruit. Okay, this is the point. Honor the Lord with the first. This is what God is saying to us. If we honor God with the first of our increase. So that means... If this is the first apple that your tree grew, that's the one God wants. He doesn't want these nine. It's honor with the first. In the Old Testament, it was the firstborn lamb. The Bible says it was holy and it was to be given to God. It's holy. This first one is, is, is holy and to be given to God. Here's, here's the way that we've set it up, though, what, and this is how we view it. In regard, and so a lot of people in church, they go, oh, no, I agree with tithing. I get it totally get it. I understand it. I, I understand the principle. I like the principle. I just can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I literally had that conversation with someone in our church the other week. Like, I love the message on tithing, Tim. That was an awesome message on tithing. Like, love it. I get the principle. Read it myself. Just not going to do it. And I'm like, okay, so, so we've got a problem. So I can explain the principle to you. But if you're not in love with the person that came up with the principle, you're not going to do it. Because it comes down to trust. It comes down, do I trust that if he's writing something like, and I could give you a whole bunch of scriptures on, on bringing the tithe. Or, but here, so let's say that this is the first one. Because this is what a lot of us are doing. We're, we're, we're doing uh, the mortgage, the car, the kids, the, the house, the food, the, the time, the job, the holidays, the thing. And then have, we got, have I got any left over? Oh, good, this week I have. Awesome. Lord, I'll bring that. But then on the way to church, we run out of petrol. So Remember, this is God's one. He gave you those nine. This is his one. And then we think, oh, actually, we run out. We're a bit short there. Um, and also... You know, next year is going to be a tough year for us and the school fees are going up. And what else? Well, I just don't think we should ever give the church that much money. So, because I work flipping hard for this. Yeah, that looks about right. Yeah, that's all I can do. Let's pretend Christian's God. <laughs> Actually, just before I do, I'm just going to bring my tithe to you, Pastor Christian. That's literally what we do. I'm, like, I'm not joking because I did some survey and they're saying about 
of Christians actually tithe. And, you know, I get, knowing that I was going to mention this today, I get real nervous because I know that whoever the person is that talks about this and, oh, don't say that and that's going to upset someone. Why? Because, because we're so in love with, we're so driven by, we've got so much and we're under pressure. And so we, we figure that we just, I get Tim, I get the principle, I understand it, but if you saw our, our bills, if you saw the mortgage, you'd realize that we just, we actually physically can't do that right now. I want to do it and hopefully one day we can. But right now, I'm just, we just, I'm sorry, we just, we just can't. And so this is the, this is the, the, the flip on that for, for us. Got saved, made a commitment to go to church. So from here on in, our life has been set up in a way that the first thing we do is we bring the tithe. I'm not going to apologize about that. We bring our tithe every week. Uh, when I was an apprentice, I think I made $450 a week. Guess what I did? $45 to God every week. Wage went up over the years, $700 a week, 70 bucks went to God. Uh, we bought a house, renovated the house, um, figured out what we'd spent on the home, the purchase price, then what we'd spent, and then God was good to it. It was amazing. We, we weren't even planning really on selling, but then this uh, real estate agent rocked up one day, and she knocked on the back door of the house because she saw a uh, mound of uh, mulch out the front. She goes, are you selling your house? I go, oh, Maybe. Okay, we will. And, and she goes, good, I'll put it on the market for you and we'll sell the house. And so I figured out what we'd spent, what we bought it for. And then I figured out what the profit was. I thought, how much profit? Because this is what God, God is about, tithing on your increase. What has it been an increase? So I figured out our profit. Our profit was $70,000. We'd profited on that house. So guess what we did? $7,000. That Sunday, we brought the tithe. It anchors me into the house of God. What that means is that every week in church, I think about it this way. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up here and I'm bringing my tithe, but, but I'm not, I'm talking about that I got saved, saved by grace. I now serve a risen Lord, therefore... I'm showing up to the party. I'm showing up to the job. I'm, show, God, I'm not here to get something from this. I'm here to give something into this. I'm not here to take something today. I'm here to give something. I want to show up. I, I know this about your pastors. They've shown up in Noosa to make a difference. And I, you know, you drive around now and you see pubs and clubs with water fountains and new plasma screen TVs. And, and I, Sorry, this just messes me up, but here we are in a school gymnasium. The church. Why aren't we in a pub and a club with a plasma TV and a water fountain flipping just for the sake of having one, just some water up into the air? Why? Because we can. Why? Because the, the believers decided to show up. We're bringing our gifts, we're bringing our talents, we're, we're bringing the whole lot. And, um, I, you know, and it's, good, it's good for us. It is good. It's good for us. I think I'm saved. I'm all good now. I always think about the, the, the story of the Titanic and, um, you know, Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio and, and the Titanic. And the, you've got the guy, and I, this is, I think of the guy that, um, he was like the captain steward or whatever, and he grabbed his life jacket 
And then I think he had a gun. He's like, get away from the, the, the Titanic's going down. And he's like, no, I'm getting, he, get, he puts himself on the boat. So he's saved. He's going to heaven. It's all good for him. And then poor Leonardo DiCaprio can't find a door to hang on to. And so he freezes to death and starts sinking down to the... So now Leo's dead. But it was good for the guy that got the life jacket. Like, oh yeah, I'm all good, don't worry about me. I think, is that how we're living as believers where we're, we're, we're hoeing into our, it's all good for me, I'm saved, I got my stuff everyone else. And that's what I love about, in, I think it's in Malachi, it says, will a man rob God? And they go, well, how have we robbed you? He goes, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. It's actually holy and belongs to someone else, the tithe portion. It's holy and belongs to to God. So when we take it, we've taken something, and he says, if we take it, it says, you're cursed with a curse. In other words, if we, if, if, that's why it says you can't give a tithe. You can't give a tithe. You bring a tithe. The reason you're not giving a tithe is because it's not yours to give. It belongs to God. So you're bringing it back. Six days a man shall work, but on the seventh, there's a, like, man, there are principles all through the Bible. Think about this. God, put, God gave man and woman a whole garden called the Garden of Eden. He put one tree in the middle and said, that tree's not yours. Don't touch it. What do the people do? Like, seriously, you had one job. And then the crazy thing is there they are standing next to the one tree this is the one tree in the garden God told me not to touch, but guess where I'm hanging out? <laughs> right, flipping under it. Oh, I'm not going to touch it though. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to touch it. Oh, too late. I'm flipping taking it. This is like, why? You've got a whole garden. Go to the other end of the garden. I just, we're like Gollum. Gollum, Gollum, more, more. It's mine. And then it all goes bad after they take off that tree. It's like, but the same thing, it was wholly belonged to God. They come, out of, um, they come out of Egypt and they spend all this time in, in, the, in the wilderness and God says, all right, you're about to go and you've got to take all these cities and you're going to conquer the cities and it's going to be awesome. And the first city is Jericho. And God, guess what God says? Oh, by the way, the first city, Jericho, all the spoils, the tra- that's mine. Don't touch it. What does one guy do? What is wrong with us? Why, why can't we trust God? God's going, there is going to be like 10, 12 other cities after this one. And on, on the other 10, the other 12, the other 9, it all belongs to you. But from the first city, it's going to be holy and it's to give it to me. And we just cannot help ourselves. We'll come up with a thing. We'll, we'll think about something. We'll make up a story about it. Oh, they're trying to get my... God, honestly, God does not care about... Does not want... Is not trying to get something from you. God is trying to get something to you. Let me read this scripture and we'll, we'll close. I love this. It's, it's 1 Chronicles 29, 14. It says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generally, generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have only given, uh, we have only given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight. We are all our ancestors. 
Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you, the temple for your holy name, comes from your hand. And all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with an honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are uh, here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires, your thoughts, and the hearts of your people forever. And keep their hearts loyal to you. I'm believing God that C3 Noosa can expand and grow in the community of Noosa, Noosaville, I'm believing God this church gets a building, a permanent residence of its own, hopefully with a water fountain, just for the sake of it, just for the glory of God. And here's my thoughts, and I go, okay, God's given every one of us gifts and talents. So once I'm convinced about the fact that, okay, maybe God's not trying to rob me, maybe God's trying to get something, you've maybe heard this before, but God's trying to get something through me, he's trying to get something to me so he can get it through me. I read um, Isaiah 53, verse 1. Have I got time to read this out? Am I, am I good? I didn't tell the, the screen person this, but... If, if we're having an argument about this and we're talking about, oh, you're saying I have to and I feel pressure right now. And, like, we're having the... You're, look, you're not a victim. And you should never feel pressure. You should never come to church and feel guilt. You know where pressure and guilt come from? The devil. He puts, starts making you go, you can't do that. Why is there so much resistance around this topic? So much blockage? There's something going on. It's always the most tense time in a service. Hey guys, we're going to take up the offering. Ooh, the whole atmosphere locks up. Everyone gets, oh no, you're not. <laughs> you're not getting mine. great job by the way of doing the offering. It's one of the hardest messages to do in a church, isn't it? Like, I remember as a young preacher and they said, oh, would you do the offering? I'd done communion and, and communion was awesome because everyone's like, yeah, communion, I'm saved, the blood of Jesus. And then they just said, do the offering and it was like, suddenly everyone hated me. You loved me last week. This is, okay, this is why I tithe. And this, I would say this is not a tithe scripture, but for me, this is why I bring my tithe. It's Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one of whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in lower self-esteem. Surely he took our pain, he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us have turned into our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of, of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. 
by oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him, to cause him to suffer, and through the Lord's makes his life an offering to sin. He will see offspring and prolong his days. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many. He will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors for he was bore the sin of many and made intercession for us. That's why I do it. We esteemed him as nothing. Jesus Christ both lived and then died in our place. The Bible makes it clear. He is our new high priest. When I bring my tithe into church every week, you know who I'm bringing it to? My new high priest. I'm bringing it directly to him who died in my place. That should have been me taking that punishment. That should have been me taking that guilt. That should have been me taking that sickness. God had to sow something pure because God wanted something pure back. God had to sow something righteous because God wanted something righteous back. God had to sow something healed because God wanted something healed back. So He sowed a perfect, spotless, blameless lamb, the Son of God, that would cover your sin because God knew that what I sow is what I'm going to reap. So He sowed perfection so that He could get perfection back. And now because of the blood of Jesus, you've been made right. You've been made whole. You've been made pure. You've been made to have an abundance. You've been set free. You've been healed. You've been chosen. You've been set apart. And now we can come and we are in right standing with Him because God says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it will not ever reproduce us. So God sowed. And that seed died in the ground, rose again three days later, and it says that He is the firstborn among many. That's you and I, because of that sacrifice. That's why I'm saying to you, I am not a victim. I have been raised with Him. I am a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I don't walk into church each Sunday feeling sorry for myself or feeling like there's some pressure or guilt. I've been totally set free. I bring my tithe because I want to bring my tithe because God's put me in charge of my future. God's put me in charge of my destiny. Do not be deceived. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. You can start sowing today. You can say, God, I'm going to start sowing into your kingdom, Lord. And I'm not sowing for me. I'm sowing into this region. I'm sowing into Noosa. Every single week I'm going to sow so that God, many are going to come to Christ. Hey, there is no one else, people. Let's all stand on our feet. There is no one else. You're it. You're it. Damn, this fan keeps blowing my notes away. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's...
praise Him this morning. Let's just thank Him. Just spend a couple of moments thanking Him. I want to um, I want to pray for you. If if you've felt under pressure, if you've felt like I don't have enough. Oh my goodness, I, I get this sense because even in this message, like God wants to set you free, but the pressure and the restriction, the financial pressure that we come under. I don't know the statistic, but when, when the GFC happened, there were businessmen throwing themselves out of buildings, killing themselves. Because there's these guys that like, if I can't provide for my family, what type of person am I? We need a revival, people. We need the power of God. People should not be throwing themselves out of buildings. I drive around this whole area. Noose is amazing looking at everyone's boats and cars and jet skis and restaurants. And Wealth is not the problem. Wealth is not the problem. It's the human heart. And I'm telling you, there is only one person that can help the human heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Can I just ask every eye closed in Jesus' name? I want to ask you a question this morning. I want to ask you the question. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, I would love to lead you in a prayer this morning where that's exactly what you do. You ask Him to come into your heart. Or maybe you're here and you've been away from God and today you're, you're thinking, I need to come back. I need to come back to Him. I just want you to think about those two things. You've, you've never prayed a prayer and today you think, I need God. I need... I, that's why I came today. I, I came because I need God to reveal Himself to me. Or maybe God has done that at some point, but you've just been away from church and you've been out of kind of out of a relationship with Him. And today you're thinking, I need to come back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. If that's you this morning, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand nice and high and say, yeah, that's me. I'm not going to make you leave your seat stay right where you are but I'll just acknowledge that someone's here that wants to do that you want to pray that prayer and then I'll just lead you in a prayer so just while every eye is closed if that's you could you just do that for me right now just slip your hand up and go yeah that's me I would like today to pray a prayer to ask God to come into my heart or I want to come back today I want to come back into a relationship with him I feel like I've been away thank you Lord going to wait a couple of moments. I'm in, I'm in no rush. Maybe you're thinking about it, you're not sure. It'll be a prayer you pray just between you and Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So good. So good. Let me pray for you and then I'm going to finish up. Father God, I thank you this morning that from this service, Lord, we're going to walk out of here feeling amazing. We're going to walk out of here with strength, with power. Lord, and if there have been issues in our life that we've been struggling with, pressures that we've been under, 
God, I pray you are a God of solutions and you're gonna bring solutions and thoughts are gonna come in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.